Hey Marcus, you got any movies? Yes, I do. Hey Marcus, do you ever feel like you're a snuffleupagus? Kinda, right now. Yeah, I, I, I do too, no doubt. This is a Zebras in America podcast, episode 69. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, a bold that's a bold episode. That's that one of the zodiac signs is a 69, whatever. Whoop, whoop. That's a ICP, whatever. Like, you know what I'm saying? Juggalo? Juggalo, yeah. Oh, whoop, nice. whoop. I, I, I've watched every single Juggalo uh, documentary there is. Uh, are there a ton? Like of course, it, there's there's a lot actually because uh, hipsters and intellectuals and academics are really interested in this. And it's a fascinating subculture. It's a fascinating subculture. It's a subculture that's greatly misunderstood. That has a lot of love and non judgment and inclusivity. I'm I'm pro Juggalo. Marcus, I hear there's other voices. Yeah. I guess we should introduce. We have some guests today. <laughs> <laughs> He's talking about. Oh my god. Yeah, I know. That's really what. <laughs> No, like, you are one of the no, other no, voices. No, I understand that. I know, I know. I know. Oh, it's funny. I'm the insane person in this. Uh, I would say since we're all friends and, and crazy attracts crazy, we probably all have some things we have to deal with. I mean, I'm in therapy. I don't know about you. you I'm gotta, switching therapists soon. Well, I have. I can talk to you about recommendations if you're interested. Oh, you know, potentially. I, I start social work school tomorrow, so. Nice. You know, I'm all about empowerment. Do you want me to be your first... Patient. No, we're friends and I've worked with you. That would be highly inappropriate against every single oath. We're very filmable for a documentary. Right, but I'm not, I'm, I mean, we can talk about that off air. But please, Got it. Uh, we have two guests today. Uh, we're going to try to talk about all of the Mission Impossible films because these guys told us to watch them and we were going to talk to them. I feel like you I did feel, that. I, I didn't feel do like that. I said let's talk Could about you them. introduce yourself? Yeah. Hey, I'm Mikhail Karadimov, a co-founder of Wrong Real and the short filmmaker at the moment. Fuck. And an assistant editor at my job currently. Yeah. Uh, and this is your second time on this the show. This is my second appearance on Zebras. And you are? I'm Brittany Sarna. I'm uh, professionally Mikhail's friend and <laughs> <laughs> producer and sometimes guest on Wrong Real. All right, and this is your first time on it's the my show. my first time. Uh, yeah, so, awesome. I decided to start recording because as we were doing the preamble of this episode, we were telling some hilarious edible marijuana stories. And, you know, movies often have funny edible marijuana stories. And I, I was just enjoying some of the stories. So I'm going to tell a funny story that happened to me recently. I don't eat edibles, but I was, I was, at, a, I was at a barbecue and <laughs> I was at a barbecue and like full of like, full of like, uh, you know, I guess this is so, uh, let me backtrack. Yeah. Where are you from? I'm from Valley Stream from Long Island. All right. So this is, we're all people that were, that's, that were born on the same rock to, well, you, you were raised, you were raised, I was born you, you were raised in New York City, <laughs> but yeah, in the Bro you, uh, Mar Marcus, you were born in St. Albans, Queens. Yep. I was born in Brooklyn, mm -hmm. and you're from Long Island, so this is yeah. nice. This is all, these are all, we're New Yorkers. We're coming from the same place, guys. Valley Stream's the border. Like, you could walk yes. to Valley Stream. Well, I was from St. Rosedale Albans. originally, and yeah, then... Yeah, I'm saying, like, you're all, you're, you're basically... One foot away. You're, almost from, you're almost from Queens. Yeah. Um, you know, so... What's that? She might as well be. I'm just trying to say, like, it's nice to have, like, some New York... I, I consider Yorkers. Long Island to be a New Yorker. It's a, it's a different place. It's a... It's a it's not a monolithic place. And I some like of the it. different boroughs are represented. Queens, which rarely gets well. Queens has been popular. In Queens is popping, days. and also but like the Bronx. Queens, you know, Queens, is, my, Bronx, so Queens like, is my you know, Queens is my favorite borough. Don't tell. Same. Yeah. It's, <coughs> why? Why are you always? Why are you surprised by that information? You think the Bronx is going to top Queens? Oh, yeah, of or course Brooklyn? the Bronx. Look at the, the Bronx. The Bronx being, survived the hurricane. We didn't have to use generators. That's true. That actually is a huge selling point. You know, that's punching down. 
<laughs> and uh, I really don't appreciate that. You know? I really appreciate your reffing so far. It, it, just it, conversational reffing. Yeah, just, really you know, good. I'm just trying, just trying to help us. I'm trying for us to be aware of our own places in hierarchies <laughs> and systems. Uh, Very high up in the Bronx. High up in the Bronx. I have prepared some quotes by Adorno. I'm working. Okay, I'm, go, I'm going, go to work, I'm going baby. To town. Sunday morning. So, anyways, uh, I'm at this party uh, recently, and it's all like it's all Brooklyn-born people. I'm from Brooklyn, and so like they're like tough metalheads or like people that are really into Wilco, like all types of weird <laughs> shit. Um, nice. And this, metalheads to Wilco. <laughs> look, you know. I, I like metal and will go. Yeah, do you think? Anyone that calls Jesus honey is like, I just love it. I also love in the show Goliath, the, the Amazon shows yeah. with, uh, with uh, what's his face? Billy Bob. Billy Bob, he calls everyone honey. Uh-huh. And I really like that. I don't know why. I know it's like probably backwards to call everybody honey. But in the show, which is fiction, I think it's funny. Anyways, mm-hmm. so I'm at this party and there's all these people and this dude's like, dude, I made this uh, weed cheese. It's not that strong, but I got this weed cheese, and it's, like, in a crock pot. Uh-huh. And, like, all these guys are, like, oh, just, just pouring it on. <laughs> and, then like, and then, like, two hours later, you can tell everybody who, who, who ate a lot of the weed cheese because they're, like, hey, man. And they got their eyes wide up, like, hey, man, well, what do you think about uh, Lycra? I'm, like, what? What? You know, and I just think it's funny, like, when people go to space and they think that they're normal. Uh-huh. They're, like, you're not normal right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's my. But you guys were all abnormal together, or yeah. did you? Or were you not as uh, touched by the weed? And the well, cheese? I don't, I don't, I don't touch, I don't touch edibles. Got it, got it, got it. Got I got under it. like, like my whole thing is is escaping panic attacks, mm-hmm. and edibles are like for me. If you're like, hey, do you want panic attacks? Have you been searching for a panic attack? <laughs> yeah. Let me recommend this weed gummy bear. Yeah. So I tried to avoid that. I, don't like I would agree ed- with that, though. Yeah. I feel like you're, like, for edibles, you have to be up for the guessing game. Like, how are you don't know right it's now? Hit you no, you have no idea. Yeah. And I feel like that would not be great for right. someone trying to avoid... Right, and I'm trying to, I am trying to ride the wave of life and be open to opportunities and, and get out of my comfort zone. Not when it comes to panic attacks. Mm-hmm. At least Close not, not there. I mean, I, I, my therapist and I have talked about creating a panic attack in the room to work on it. That's Whoa. a different thing. Wow, that's fucking intense. To deliberately, deliberately bring yourself there? Yeah. So what are some of the things that you have to do to induce? Hold on a second. Oh, I need, I need so to tell you. Uh, so what does, what does camping and hippies, uh, hippies having sex or something have in common? Camps and hippies having sex. Like the so you're giving me the scene. And it's just I'm not setting it up very good, but the punchline is it's fucking intense, man. Because uh, <laughs> you were saying fucking. Intense. I thought it was a riddle that I was supposed to solve <laughs> before the episode was over. Did you eat an edible before you came here? No, but I did just smoke some weed. I have no idea what you're talking about. You had an edible story about your friend. Do you feel like telling <laughs> about it? And then yeah. we'll go into Mission Impossible yeah, or the baby. cat movie that I worked on. Oh, we could talk about cat video. Yeah. Yeah. The cat movie. I really <laughs> like that. Well, it's like a Serbian movie. Yeah, I appreciate your protection, but I had an edible. I was enjoying like a, the edible experience having had one dose. And I was going to a party, a, like a Friendsgiving, like Thanksgiving thing, where I was making... A very uh, homely event. 
You've done this before. I remember you talking about a girl saying she was homely. I was like, don't say no, that. I don't, like don't say people. <laughs> anyway, moving That's on from that. Or comely women. You are problematic know. Pete tonight. But I'm, uh, I'm canceling you. I was in charge of making like a giant thing of mac and cheese Jezebel. for this uh, Friendsgiving. So I was like, oh, I'm going to have some more uh, of this edible. I'm going to a party. I'm yeah. going to be like a little bit. I figured that I was enjoying how high I was while I was making the mac and cheese. I was like, oh, I would like to ride this wave into the party. I'll drink less. I'll be more fun. This is all going to be perfect. And then... Uh, about 30 minutes later, I had to call Mikhail, who was also going to this party, and tell him that he had to come get the mac and cheese out of my house because I couldn't turn the lights on or get off my couch. Because I just, not to tell anybody what happened, that I couldn't go to, the party was four blocks from my house. Yeah. And I was like, uh, I can't go to this party because if I get off this couch, I don't know what's going to happen to me. Can you come get the mac and cheese doors open? Don't tell anyone. <laughs> don't tell anyone. Just happens. tell them I'm sick. And apparently, in front as of soon me, as I came in, our buddy, our mutual friend, uh, fake name, Datum. <laughs> he uh, he was like, why didn't Brittany come? I'm like, oh, she's not feeling well, bro. He, she's too high, isn't she? I'm like, I can't. He guessed it on the first go. I couldn't not break. But you, he like, so many, I literally unlocked the door to my apartment. I think I propped open the front door, which you're not supposed to do. Yeah. And you came into like a pitch black living room where I was laying on the couch facing into the couch. It was just like, it isn't there. Please leave me in here. Oh, wow. I, I mean, I, I've been in a place where, where I felt like I couldn't go to the party that was in my living room. Oh, how was that one of those parties? Yeah. Well, the was only like, cure I, if, for... I, if I get off my bed, I'm going to get <coughs> eaten by lava. Well, yeah. that's the thing. The only cure for being too high is really just your couch and your bed, and there's and just nothing gone. else. Or, and or, everyone gone. Or red wine. Really? Does red wine work? Yeah. I feel like I would know that. I drink a lot of red wine. Yeah. You, I mean, it has to be after. You can't, if you... Not been, just the whole time, always, yeah, no, every no, no, day, no, if, no, no, no. If you, drink okay. and then, if you drink and then smoke weed and then drink some more... That's 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 a, a throw up tundra. Oh, that is yeah, that is. sounds terrible. Yeah. Sounds like headspin central. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you're saying if I smoke and then I have some more. Yeah, you 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 remember that episode of The Simpsons where where Barney accidentally eats the drinks the weed, and there's this there's the he the weed monster is trying to kill him, so he drinks and the purple elephant beats him up because he's an alcoholic. <laughs> so what is this in the golden years? Yeah, golden pink pink elephant. I guess alcohol is. Is connected to the pink elephant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it's like golden era Simpsons. Okay, so. Uh, well, do you remember my birthday party when I had to? It was like the year I was moving in with Hannah. And, I wasn't uh, there. This is what I got. Oh, I wasn't yeah. there, and I got a lot of text messages about how I had failed you by not being there to talk you off of this, out of this situation. I had just started drinking again slowly but surely, but then weed came into the system, and since I wasn't terribly used to drinking, and I had some weed, I was at a barbecue in my backyard. And it was you weren't at a barbecue. You threw a I barbecue. I threw a barbecue for my birthday. And there was all, you know, the backyard was concrete, so that was terrifying me. And I all of a sudden had to pee really badly, so I went into the bathroom. And the problem with the bathroom, it's one of those places where the ventilation engulfs everything. So when you're having a panic attack and you feel like you're just off in space in this one little room, and then all of a sudden I heard muted voices coming through that were my friends having a good time. And I was like, oh my God, I'm freaking out in here, but they're having a great time out there. And I was freaking out even more. So I just sprinted out of my apartment and ran to the nearest park, which is Pelham Parkway, and just sat down and started bawling, crying. I had to get my cousin, my brother, my girlfriend to come and sit down and talk to me. It was like an hour of coming down off of that panic. It was Horrible. <laughs> so this is getting dug with high. That's uh, what our podcast has become to today. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So people are going to be like, 
Dude, this is a movie podcast. You talked about weed for 20 minutes, and I say it is not about the destination. <laughs> it is about the journey. We're riding the wave of We're life. We're riding the wave of life. We're trying trying to, to open open hands, open arms, allow things half-smiling to allow the world to circumnavigate us and alchemize us into happier beings. Is, is, the, is the show often this way of like just kind of if you listen, talking if you through that, it's I mean, like if a you, therapy, if you, if sort you, of borderline therapy podcast? I mean, yes. Nice. But also if you listen to the podcast more often, you would know. In case you know. I know. It's no, no. I'm saying like, I'm saying if you listen to the podcast, you'll know what it's about. Got it. My friend. Got it. Don't feel bad. I only listen back to the podcast when I have to edit it. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm just in it so it's like but it's not out of disrespect also, it's like how many actors and directors like I never watch movies back that yeah, I yeah, yeah, I, li- yeah I, listen, I listen I don't I don't listen to every podcast we make I try I listen I, I'll listen if someone's like hey man you said this thing and I'm like oh do I agree with what I said and I'm just trying to make sure yeah, yeah. Uh, and also you know like we just we just started making t-shirts and like yeah, uh, of one person's bottom so nice. you know thanks Bill thanks I was yeah thanks Bill uh, hi Doug uh, have any of you guys ever smoked PCP? No. No, I haven't had the uh, opportunity, no. the pleasure. I was really hoping some New York City people... No knows. one's ever offered you PCP? I mean, Me? You, no. no, you might have... No. Asked, have you ever smoked weed that tasted like a cool cigarette and you're like, why do I want to jump off things? Like, not, mm-hmm. not like, not suicidal ideation. I mean, like, I want to get on top of this six-foot thing and jump from things Actually, to things. yeah. Finally, <laughs> beep, beep, beep. finally have a guest. I really don't want to know that I smoke PCP. Well, I got to tell you that if you smoked weed in the '90s in New York City and ever listened to rap music where someone would call "Sun Done," you smoked PCP, <laughs> and that just is what it is. I didn't do either of those things. You did. No, you didn't no. smoke weed in the nineties. Yeah, no, I said I didn't do either of those. Things. Oh, you, oh, right, you're young. You I'm little, a young pup. Man. You're you're a trillennial. I was twelve when uh, two thousand happened when Y two K fell flat. Yeah, sixth grade like, was oh, bitch. <laughs> Y2K yeah, couldn't do it. This, I think this will be the third time that I've referenced the song "Recognized" by the Locks, who are from um, Yonkers. He's like, "Y'all worried about that Y2K shit, but I'm worried about selling that gray shit." <laughs> That's crack. Just letting you know. Was uh, it just like fuzz out of a couch? <laughs> I would not make fun of the Locks. I would recommend. Uh, he's he's a long time listener. Oh, got it. Sorry. I mean, we we've shown a, we've shown a uh, one. It's three people. Yeah, I was gonna say it's it's day. Oh, I don't know. Oh, that's three people are gonna be pissed oh, off. Yeah, I wouldn't want those three people. Yeah. I, wait, all this time did I tell you I may I may have my college roommate was Sheik's cousin. That's amazing. Wow. Okay. All this. Oh yeah. My 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 roommate. Freshman and sophomore. No, I had my own room for, but my sophomore year roommate was uh, Sheik's first cousin, and he made sure everyone knew this. By the way, all freshman year, sophomore year, he would always find some way to like. By the way, yeah. By the way, uh, you know, and then started just doing all the lyrics from the Red Hot Chili Peppers song. By the way, it's like, standing online on the show tonight. I'm Sheik's cousin. You know what's crazy? I was just thinking about. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Is it me or did they ride that one album for like two and a half years? Fresh uh, Asia's Magic? Arcade. Uh, yeah, I mean, here's that the was a period back then. Where you could put an album out in like late '92. They didn't and still like they didn't ride. Live off it in they, it's not them. It's that the record kept on selling, and they really did. And John Frusciante era Red Hot Chili Peppers is the best backing band of modern time. 
which is crazy because it's just two. Well, he came back, but no, I guess was, like he was, on, he was on six albums. I'm just talking about that that '90s period, though. Right. I mean, I I actually really love what he his he's my favorite living guitarist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't always love the Red Hot Chili Peppers because I because I don't relate to Anthony Kiedis's experience. Sure. Okay. He's great in Point fair. Break. Yes, he, he has is. a great moment in Point Break. But uh, he, speaking of John Frusciante, do you like the Brown Bunny soundtrack? I do. Shit is amazing. Yeah, yeah. scored by John Frusciante. He's mm. good friends with Vincent Gallo. I mean, I, I listened to John Frusciante's records. He made an Aphex Twin like record. What? I didn't know that. I sent it to you. I think I'll send it. I'll send it to so. you again. Yeah. More like the AFX work. You remember the AFX forty fives he was coming out with, like that cold acid house acid, type shit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. John Frusciante. John Frusciante oh. made. He makes. Okay. He only makes like acid acid house right now, okay. and it's amazing. Okay. It's really good. I I'm a I'm a John Frusciante. Super fan. Yeah, I love his. I just I think his his guitar work. He he added a lot of major scales, and the way he plays rhythm is just really beautiful, and I find it very relaxing. Mm. Uh, I, yeah, I, I have no problem saying that. So, you and I met through Wrong Reel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you were like, "Hey, I'm making a short film, mm. and I need someone to compose it." Yeah. And for all you listeners, I compose. I'm I've I've worked on two feature length films, nine. Uh, shorts, a bunch of commercial things, and I have a, I have at least three feature films coming in the next year. Nice. ScottThorough.com. Thank you. <laughs> uh, it's important. Can and we shoot like a lo-fi ad that takes place in front of like a used car dealer's yes. lot at some point also with you with like a blue tie on or something, like a blazing blue tie? I don't on. wear ties. I don't believe in wearing ties anymore. I think it, it's part of a bygone culture. I don't want to go for that 90s local... Sort of so commercial. it's like essentially a period piece. This it's a period piece. Okay. So okay period yeah. piece I, I wear cravats or ascots. I don't really like to wear ties. I'll get you into an ascot. Okay. I could get down with an and ascot. If, hey, do you want an ascot? Ascot. Get it? <laughs> boom, boom. Oh, shit. Uh, Did you plan that on me? Did you booby trap me into that one? It's the only reason he invited you over. In fact, yeah, it was all a ruse to, for that one joke. But so, and then you made this film. What's it called? Uh, cat video, and I did I did the music for you it. Did the music, and, and I was you very directed it for it. And yeah. um, is it is it available to see yet? Well, I mean, people could DM me and I'll send. I'm not allowed. We're not allowed to really release it until we're done with yeah. the festival circuit. Okay, probably. So, so, so uh, but people could DM me, and if I screen you and you see me, if you kind of know me and we've talked on Twitter, DM me and you can get your hands on it. Okay, and yeah. do you want to talk a little bit about it? Like 30, se- 30, yeah, 30 seconds. seconds. 30 seconds. Boom. For anyone. Yeah. All right. I'll t- I'll t- okay. It's, Go ahead, it's about two college friends who possibly had a awkward romantic thing many oh, years you're ago. You're giving your interpretation of it. That's all. Like, yeah, so it's about scenes. two friends that haven't seen each other for oh, a long time. <laughs> it's about two friends who haven't seen long time. And, 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 and they're sell- they're, there's a transaction of a bed. Yes. And it gets weird. And. And, and Scott's score really ties the room together, so to speak. I really appreciate that. Yeah. And you're working, you're working on a new thing? Currently working on a feature-length script that I'll keep close to the chest for now. And I am diddling around with the idea of doing a short film uh, in the interim so I could pick up a camera again and do something. Because I'm getting a little uh, cabin fever-ish of not filming anything. And that short film, is, uh, as Brittany has learned, is inspired by a porn film I watched recently. Yes. So it's going to be, I think that one's going to be fun. 
can you say the the porn film? The porn film. Uh, well, it's kind of a it's a it's a collection of them. But uh, like Zev Bellringer does these point of view videos where she plays uh, she's supposed to be the mother and you're the son. She crawls into your bed in the middle of the night and is like, "Oops, you know they have a moment." Like actual like step or actual? No, no, I, the whole idea is like actual mother. I oh, I I don't like that. Yeah, all right. Well, it also hinges off this uh, quote that but, Fellini once said about his wife. It was that she's, you know, your your spouse is everything to you. It's your wife, your sister, your girlfriend, your mother, nope. your daughter, nope. and everything. Nope. And so, nope, just my girlfriend and no, my wife. No, it's, it's, fun, it's, it's funny because one of my, one of my <laughs> favorite... Makes it sound like a simpleton. Right. No, it's all right. One of my favorite Prince songs is I Want to Be Your Lover. Mm -hmm. but, he's, but sometimes he's like... Be your brother and your sister too. I'm like, I don't want that. <laughs> you were over my house one time before we were about to record, and that Eric Benet song came on. He's like, I want to be your daddy, your brother, and we at the same time. Right. Wait, what? what? Yeah, what? we both like, ew, what? ew, no. So I'm not into that, but at the same time, yeah. from from an eval from a value from a validation place, uh -huh. maybe that these videos help people that want to do these sort of things oh I, I fuck I don't I totally didn't see the double-edged sword in this so this I was just talking about what the movie's inspired by I didn't realize I also just copped to what I was watching <laughs> and that's why it's weird got it honestly in 2018 there's like weirder shit that's the not, people no, no, listening no, right now have watched weirder shit and yeah. probably watched actual I know it's just so normal it's like, so normal to be even... talking about it because me and Brittany talk about our uh, porn proclivities so often don't do this to me right we're yeah. doing a whole yeah. episode about this at some point here's the thing I don't want to I yeah. don't believe in like shaming or like I think st uh, uh, open dialogue about these sort of things is helpful. And what I'm saying is that maybe the stuff where it's actually not step stuff helps some people deal with things that they can't deal with in the real life. Yeah. That I'm I'm putting I'm putting an end on this talk, be so we don't get into deeper, crazier. No, no the idea is that uh, sorry to springboard. The inspiration is so the idea is that it's this couple that shoots these kind of videos, but they look uh, eerily similar to one another. They're uh, not related, but they look eerily similar. Uh, okay, to one I would like to do the music for them. All right, cool. <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk about it some more off air. I went to a Q and A once with uh, Nick. Sorry about the, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about the creaking chair. I'm a very like you know, I move a lot. It's all good. I'm sorry. At a at a Q and A, Nicholas Reffin and Ryan Gosling were at BAM, and Reffin likes to hear himself talk, and he was talking about how like I mean we've all had fantasies about our moms, right? And then right and and Gosling was like, nope. And he started shaking his head, no. Incorrect. And then he was like, what are you talking about? And then like he knocked his water glass over like on purpose. He was like, what do you what the f no no I don't. And that's all I remember. I want to say the Ryan there's a Ryan Gosling SNL like last year. Where, where they did this thing about eroticizing Santa Claus <laughs> that was so bizarre and hilarious. Mm, nice. I gotta dig this up. <clears throat> S SNL, the last two years, every once in a while, have these really bizarre subversive episodes or skits. The whole Kristen Stewart, um, the whole Kristen Stewart episode is really weird, and hmm. I love it. Well, that I mean, look who we're talking about. Right, she's gone. We were the last couple of years, yeah. Huh? Yeah, like, no. Uh, once she decided, girl. like, I'm, I'm gonna dress like the Matrix and <laughs> own my identity and do not awesome. Not wear shoes. Not wear shoes anywhere. That was awesome. Because she, she refused to wear shoes yeah, because of the dress at Con because of the patriarchy, which I totally understand. No. <laughs> because of the patriarchy just generally. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's that, that, I, I mean, look. I, no, no, you're right. <coughs> I agree with I just you. like how it's easy to be like, well, you know, the patriarchy. It does yeah. explain a lot because it does explain a lot. I mean, it's, Con, it's interesting. so, like, America is working very hard to try to dismantle oppressive systems that have been oppressive to many different power groups and that's a pendulum swinging. Some things have been working, some things have not been working, so there's been a lot of blowback. 
a con, there's been a lot of blowback about representation from from women directors to directors of color to actors to film stuff. So con con is particularly patriarchal, and also yeah. there's there's this guy that uh, Harvey Weinstein, who was very part of that for a while, <clears throat> who's who is a monster. Uh, or let me just in case he has the Mossad come at me, allegedly a monster. <laughs> I. Don't I, I, want, I want the smoke. You're a monster. What? Yeah, you're a monster, and you allegedly assaulted women, and I believe them. Harvey Weinstein, come on in! <laughs> I'm sorry. It can be fine if we kind of like... This is the last episode of Zebras in a Movie. <laughs> uh, anyways, you know, and so I think the fact that, that they're dealing with all this stuff, and then Khan's still like, oh, if you're a woman, you have to wear high heels. Yeah. And she's like, no... <clears throat> And also, she's like been amazing in the last two Asayas movies. Oh, yeah. yeah, and oh, I just, I just love it. And you know, all right. So Certain women also, although Lily Gladstone outshined her for like that was only her second movie. But that was Kelly Reichardt. Certain women. Wasn't no, it? I said. Yeah, no, I said. Right. I said certain women also. Um, just yeah, she didn't. I, I know Look, that, I want it. I want to talk about Wendy and Lucy, but we're talking about. We'll save that for another episode because so, yeah, I got. I have so much to say about that. I've, I've, I've had to defend I've, that movie I love to some of my Lucy. friends. We'll talk for wow, two thousand eight to for a I mean, decade. The, the, the movie came movie. out ten Jesus. years ago. It's yeah. it's as important now as it was yeah. then. Yeah, and it's it's yeah. Long story short, young people can go broke too. It's not always like the middle aged older people mm-hmm. with houses and mortgages. Also, like and sometimes like younger not, people have like there's and that's really explored on film. There's stories and movies about like hobo culture, but from the tens and the twenties and thirties are like that. Takes, yeah, there's yeah, yeah, yeah. the there's the excellent book "You Can't Win" by Jack Black, not Jack Black of you tenacious know, D tenacious D film. Yeah. But this never ending story two and <laughs> never ending. I think it's never ending story three actually that he's in. Oh, maybe you're right. Yeah, uh, airborne fame. Have <laughs> you stuck? That's some coffee today. Yeah, no problem. And so. He wrote this really beautiful book about being a hobo in the twenties, but this, yeah. you know, grifting still exists, and I and I think yeah, Wendy and Lucy deals with it. yeah Kelly Reichardt, she's incredible. So you were like, we want to come on the show and mm-hmm. talk about the Mission Impossible series, which seemed like out of nowhere. Well, Which is fine, I'll talk about just about any movie. Well, but a, just like, huh. uh, I just re- learned three months ago that I love the franchise more than I ever thought I did because oh. I got like feverish one day and I stayed home from work. I tried watching that FX show Legion. The first five minutes I thought was too much and pretentious, so I had to turn it off. And I said, what's simple that I could watch today? And they ended up, I never watched the first one, and then it rolled into me watching all of them again. You know, we're going to, Marcus and I are going to talk about this on yeah, yeah, our yeah. next episode. But we've really been into the films of, of starring Scott Atkins, uh-huh. the action star. Because, uh-huh. like, sometimes you watch so much Boonewell and so much, you know, Claire Denis and you need something else. And, and Marcus and I try to evaluate films the same way as we would evaluate anything. And watching action movies and espionage movies is a really nice respite. And occasionally they have both your action needs mm-hmm. and like film filmmaking needs so let's let's go into uh, uh, Mission Impossible 1 yeah uh, oh Jesus alright I've gone through all this is this the only like not not to go into snob mode but is this the only like a tour directed Mission Impossible like the only like, like the name you know what I'm saying like yes. the Palma versus everyone you know what well, I'm saying well no John Woo puts John Woo I would not call John Woo an auteur 
I kind of want to. His, like, his voice is there, and he oh, has absolutely. a voice. I, agree. I don't know if I, I don't like know. his voice. I like how I don't like all voice. the tour. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 So it's like, I mean, I'm gonna this this is this might actually be my favorite Brian De Palma movie. However, oh. let me say. I don't really care for Brian De Palma's movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't like the. I, I have a lot of issues. I have to say, of the two BDPs, I prefer Boogie Down Productions to Brian De Palma. Oh, nice. Uh, the two well-known BDPs. The, yeah, the yes. two well-known BDPs. You should sit up a little so you can be heard, my friend. And we don't um, want to silence you. We don't want to. Thank silence you. I really you. appreciate that. It is 2018. Yeah. Um, and so one thing I did love about Mission Impossible was was the redone theme by Moby. For that one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kanye West did a different Mission Impossible movie. The music's cool. It's actually fun fact. It's really hard to do. They have to change the time signature because the original one from the TV show was five four, which is a a weird time signature. And famously, they tried to do one of the themes on American Bandstand once, mm-hmm. and people couldn't dance because you can't dance to five four or not can't. It's very difficult. Yeah. So Mission Impossible, Brian De Palma. It has all, all, a lot of the feelings of a Brian De Palma movie. Yeah, it has has the pacing, it has the lighting, it has all the stuff. Screens, it has yeah. tension, all that, all that. And you know, the bad guy is Dad Jelena Jolie. He's the bad jazz boy of that movie. <laughs> Emmanuel Bayer is in there. I really think that Emilio Estevez is a national treasure. <laughs> he wasn't treated like a national treasure in that movie. No, I mean, he wasn't. I don't think he gets the the credit he needs. No. Mighty Ducks as a series has been really important for a lot of a lot of men to right feel here? to to feel positively to part of part of camaraderie. The movies are good for what they are. All yes. three of them. All three. I remember the third one. The third one. Might be the best one. Wait, which one? The third one. D three. Oh wow! That's the one I watched the most when I was a kid. Was D three? Yeah, that was like on TV. It was on TV because yeah. it's hard. It teaches it teaches you about change. Yeah. Then you guys see Transformers eighty nine, <laughs> the eighty nine one, the the the. No. Oh, the the cartoon. Correct. With yeah. Orson Welles, no. Yes. Oh, or, Orson yeah, Welles' last last. Uh, hurrah! Hurrah! Is Galvatron. I think no. There's uh, oh There's no, Unicron. Excuse me. Played by some Unicron. Oh, the guy who's always been doing it, right? Yeah. And the thing about that movie is that that movie taught me about change and loss at a very early age. Yeah. Because at the be- spoilers, at the beginning of the movie, all of your favorite Transformers die. Nice. And they were doing it to sell toys, but I was crying because mm-hmm. I had seen Bambi and I cried, and I saw this and I was like, "All oh, my friends are dead. I'm an only child." So they yeah. were my friends to me, and and they had great music. You have "Dare to Be Stupid." It's a great song. <laughs> And so, like, movies that, that teach you about these sort of things. How did we get here? Mighty uh, Ducks. Mighty Ducks. Mighty Ducks. So, Mighty Ducks, <laughs> Mighty Ducks 3 teaches oh, you Amelia to Westby be comfortable with change. Because yes. Emilio, Emilio Estevez <laughs> is not really in the movie. Yeah, yeah. He's, 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 he's in minutes. it for a few minutes. And yeah. he had to get used to this change. Because the new coach is, like, some steely-faced asshole who we don't like at the beginning until we find out that his daughter is like sick yeah, or something. Yeah, exactly. I was talking about Mission Impossible where he's not in it very much. No, no, Emilio Estevez is in... Is It's funny because what I've noticed because I just rewatched all the Mission Impossible movies the past week is that each director kind of brings in the people they like. Yeah. So, so like, MI, MI2 has like... Well, not so much the John Woo one, but MI3 has like Kerry Russell... Uh, who is like a huge like JJ Babrams? That's who I. That's what I call JJ Babrams. It's some of the extras. It's some of the seeds yeah. also. Or like uh, in Ghost Ghost Protocol, Ghost Protocol as I call it. There's there's <laughs> oh, us. Oh, the dude from Lost. There's Sawyer from Lost. Like 
these little things and yeah randomly blue we used to do i know <laughs> and also that's what she was starting to pop yeah i find what i like also about um mission impossible one is it had it was at the time where like internet searching could be action yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he's searching the internet yeah. and they didn't even try that again we're in the system just yeah typing on just typing or like the movie the net yeah. or like that was a, that was before that was way before yeah, don't touch the don't touch the pie symbols on uh on, in, on websites the disc just give us back your the life disc, the disc yeah. and it's <laughs> classic shit the disc but, or like which hasn't been done again till the movie <coughs> the movie lion which used google maps yeah, as like action that, but yeah <laughs> don't like google partly fund that movie or something i don't know yeah i wouldn't be surprised I my friend and I were talking about the new film coming out, Peppermint, with Jennifer Garner yeah, yeah, yeah. about the woman whose children and husband are killed by Mexican cartels, and she, in response, becomes this like vigilante that kills Mexican yeah. cartel the members. The system failed her. The system mm-hmm. failed her. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, what if my friend was like, what if this film was being like funded by some lobbyist groups to inspire people to start vigilante justice, on. On, on Mexican people. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, one, I'm conflicted because I don't believe art has any responsibility at all. But secondly, that's scary as fuck. Did you know about this thing about uh, there are Facebook groups where like vigilantes get together to uh, find out where local pedophiles are after they've already been incarcerated and been freed and to the public and everything and they go and harass them and like watch after them and everything? Sounds like an SVU episode. Yeah. yeah. Hannah did an interview, uh, interviewed one of them recently. It was interesting. Oh, shit, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think Hannah did the, like, a, so, one of the vigilante whoa. people. Like, she went to actually That's interview insane. him in the middle, yeah. Like, wow. she met him in a public place and everything. Yeah. She said that yeah, he was, wise. like, he was actually very thoughtful and everything and his answers and he wasn't just a fucking ignorant idiot and, um, she obviously has her qualms with it and everything, but he was a lot more thoughtful than she thought he would be. But it does sound like an SVU episode. Yeah. <laughs> Well, in the SVU episode, they would have been murdered. Everybody would be murdered. Yeah, obviously. everyone. Everyone's dead. Everyone's raped. Everyone's murdered. And they're conflicted because it's like, that, yeah, because it's like they're going against the law, but they're beating a pedophile. It's like, what are we doing? You know? Yeah. yeah. Maloney would have had. But uh, I, well, I, like forty percent of any SVU episode is, is the names. two main characters telling the other one that it's not their fault. Like it's not your fault. And, There's nothing you can yeah. do. That's like most of the. I think because of how tremendously failure the new Death with Wish was, which I watched. Because I'm in an unhealthy obsession with Bruce Willis's films of the of the past five years right mm-hmm. now, I can't even get into it. That I'm like, I don't think this movie will be successful, but who knows? Um, it was also, surprising though because Megan Ellison produced it, right? Which was shocking to me that she wanted to remake that. Do you guys want to talk about your thoughts about Mission Impossible? Well, I'm One? curious about Marcus's uh, yeah. take on the franchise. The franchise or mid Well, the first one. We'll start off with the first one. Let's go bite size. Yeah. I don't, I don't mind it. I'm one of those guys who Brian De Palma, I teeter between. He's got some... He's been like five decades. He's got some weird, interesting stuff. He's got shit that was clearly just for the paycheck. Mm-hmm. This is like somewhere in the middle. Um, I enjoy it. And I enjoyed watching it again. Oh, full disclosure. I didn't watch the fifth one. I just didn't have a chance to. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah, seen yeah, one yeah. before and then the last one. Um... I enjoy it. It's it's fine. I think um, I don't know how personally attached Brian De Palma was to it, but he still put his stamp over it. Because there's other examples of when to- with a tours or director, well-known folks with si- si- signature style, don't put their stamp on it. Like so, for example, take like a um, a John Carpenter 
John Carpenter who directed um, Memoirs of Invisible Man with Chevy Chase. That's like the one movie yeah. where he didn't put like John Carpenter such and such because him and Chevy Chase had. I mean, who doesn't have issues with Chevy Chase? <laughs> and there's not a lot of like Carpenter isms. Like it's also one of the like two movies Carpenter didn't score. So a lot of things like that. So you know, but it's still off, right. Yeah. The other one being the thing, which was by Ennio Mar- Marcone. Mm-hmm. Was it? I thought he yeah. Oh, okay. But he told him to like strip it way down, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's awesome. Yeah, it's oh, really it's good. fantastic. But, um, yeah, I, no, I I enjoy the first one. I mean, I, 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 or like uh, Michelle Gondry, Green Hornet. Like, there's not a lot of Gondryisms. No, in it. not mm-hmm. at all. I never watched it with the trailer. It never it's looked like it was a Gondry movie. It's not very good. So yeah. where does the first one rank? Like for for me, oh, yeah, for Randy some was. reason, the first one. Although I think that objectively the first one is better than like the second one, I find the second one to be more rewatchable. But I think it's only because I'm such a fan of the maniac Ethan Hunt becomes. And then the first <laughs> right. one, he's not really. He's like a little baby agent. He's yeah. just trying to figure out what's happening. People are dead. No, they're not dead. Yeah. You don't like, get a lot of like later Ethan Hunt, who's just like very fan, clearly has an unhealthy relationship with. Well, I sent Brittany a, a, a video essay that um, I guess I'll try to send you guys a link of for later, or I'll put it up on Twitter. But there was one that's how the franchise just charts. Tom Cruise's life and how in the beginning he is just like this uh, super bankable the super bankable green eyed young kid who's just coming off of like color of money and risky business and all this shit and he makes this movie and then uh, and you know it reflects that in the movie to a certain extent a few good men a few good men and then he when the second one is uh like now he's just like an international fucking star he's tracing all over the world so they have him doing more of that stuff sort of stuff and then the third one is when Oprah happened and he looked insane to everyone. Yeah. So they had Look, to they prove give to everyone. And like well, he was trying to manufacture like a good life for himself. He has a wife. He's going to have a baby on the way. And so in the third one, in the beginning of the movie, he's out of the business. He has a wife. He's trying to do the domestic life and everything. And it all just keeps paralleling his fucking life. And uh, yeah, the first one, I, the first two, I think, are super interesting in that because the auteurs have their stamps. But... I don't know. I guess in short, the first one I don't like to Palmer very much. I think he only makes fifty a half a good movie most of the time. I really love that's half kind of, of what it, I'm doing. Like exactly, he has yeah. a lot of yeah. And so I don't like the first movie very much for that. I like the I like the '90s feel. I like that it had a, a traditional film format, yeah. and I like I like that era of using like mini discs as the <laughs> secure disc. Mm-hmm. My 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 friend growing up was a hacker. And do you remember in in the late '90s there was MTV had this thing where you could vote for the next VJ, mm-hmm, yeah. And it was like this this dude Jesse who was like a yeah. punk rocker dude and this oh, other yeah. dude. Oh, and then he won, but the guy who came in second ended up being on MTV more. He's still he's on, on FX. He's still no, on, he's on FX. I'm now, saying, but he yeah. he still has a career. Exactly. And, <laughs> yeah. and it turned out that my friend uh, hacked into MTV and caused. Jesse to win. Oh shit! And this is this is a tr- this is true. You can look it up. And then they decided to do a show about him and his friends, like True Life. I'm a hacker, uh-huh. and they had their faces blurred. And to fuck with them, they they were just walking around with a jazz drive, going from one place to another, being like, "This is the mainframe," and using words that don't make any sense. Uh-huh. So if you watch it, it's it's amazing, and wow. that's what like hacker culture is. I prefer the film Sneakers to Mission Impossible One. <laughs> I've never seen Sneakers. Oh, it's good. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting cast from Sidney Poitier. It's one of River Phoenix's last like complete movies. It's excellent. Dan Aykroyd, Robert Redford. I think, it's, I think it's a very good '90s espionage movie. Absolutely. To be honest with you, I associate it to. I know it's Parker's favorite film, so that's all I know. It's, it's Parker's <laughs> favorite film. 
sneakers. Yeah. Wait, Parker from yeah, old from Wrong Real, Real uh, co-founder yeah, of Wrong yeah, Real. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's that's, a great, it's a great movie. What are your takes on Mission Impossible 1? I think generally Mission Impossible 1 is like a very, uh, I think it's a fun 90s movie, but I guess that I really like Mission Impossible 1 compared to other like espionage movies. I just right. think it's like fun, but compared to the rest of the Mission Impossible series, because I like so much the maniac that is Ethan Hunt, it has the least of that. Like his little origin story for like his, Bushy you know, eyed. so, right. well, yeah, like so early on in his career, he gets his first betrayal that will be like, 90 more will happen yeah, over the course like of the MI series. Almost It's every just constantly movie. happening to him, but... It's kind of becoming a joke. I well, mean, yeah, the, I mean, that's what like, they... They address that in the trailer for Fallout. They're like, how many times can he system. be... Yeah, I love those lyrics. They make no sense. <laughs> it's just like... Ooh, ah, ah, ah. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think Fallout might have been the most fun I've had at a Mission Impossible movie. But let's... Well, let's get... We'll let's get, ease we'll in. Uh... But about the first one, uh, yeah, because I guess in comparison to the later ones, I prefer mellowed out Ethan Hunt, who's just like an old guy, who's, especially in the last one, that he's starting to get beat up, and you could see it kind of like, and the, his jowls are starting to hang and everything, and they're starting to be like, well, I guess that's just him, he does this. I don't know, I like mellowed out Ethan Hunt versus... Hopped up, fucking. Well, yeah, that's. I like the Ethan Hunt. Ethan Hunt the I, li- I, like I like the later the movies because I like the Ethan the art, Hunt yeah. we know. Like I like everyone knowing like what this is Ethan's like. You know yeah. how he gets. Yeah. He's obviously gonna. This is all gonna come down to some kind of hand to hand combat mm-hmm. because why wouldn't it? Of course, on the top of a building or off of a cliff. Like I like that which as opposed to in the beginning where he's just a guy. He has right. no like real identity. So yeah. like Mission Impossible Two, which is my least favorite of the series, mm-hmm. actually is Very because good, I good. feel the least amount of Ethan Hunt. I think it's a great action movie mm-hmm. and it has all the John Woo-isms and it's got like the long hair and like the world's most interesting man is in John's that movie and there's, and Tandy Nguyen and like the last fight was gnarly <laughs> and awesome. And, but I prefer Blackjack. Yeah. As far as John, John Woo's uh, oh, late shit. 90s yeah. Well, um, Would you guys like to discuss Mission Impossible 2? I have well, I have to deal with something real quick. I like Mission Impossible 2 because, A, I think the style of it explains where he's at, the characters at at that point. Where, like, right. he just got burned by his entire team, his mentor. He had to kill these people. Dad Julina Jolie. Yeah, Dad and Julie so he's Jolie. in his, like, quote-unquote, lost years right now. He's growing out his hair. He's got these sunglasses. He's climbing cliffs just for the fucking rush of it. Yeah. You know, he's, cr- well, yeah, he's yeah. going through his, like... Post college years of like yeah, he's things are like topsy turvy, so you're kind of but wandering in life. That's the thing, style of it kind of dresses. I agree that. with I I, like I agree with Scott. This is how the I explain my one. least favorite movie in the series. Yeah. Though the second one is I think objectively the worst movie. It's definitely the slowest. It's yeah. like the feels least like fun. It feels like it's a hundred years long. It feels like he just started reading Sartre. He's like but that's the thing I like wars. for I like some reason. Even though I think it's worse, I think it's more for me. It's more rewatchable in the context of the rest of the MI movies because I like watching Ethan Hunt go all the way through it. He's yeah. having, like, a quarter-life crisis in that movie. He's only on vacation in that movie. Even his yes. mission is borderline a vacation. Sure. Guess the fuck and then he ends up back on a different like a vacation at the yeah. end. That's the whole thing. There's like, three now vacations they go vacation. in this movie. He's, cliff, uh, he's doing the cliffs in the beginning, yeah. which he throws his shoulder out for that one shot, which yeah. is, like, God bless him that he's doing that shit. And then, uh, yeah, he's got this biddy that he finds along the way. He gets to have, like, this weird Monaco set party that he gets to yeah. go to. And, I don't know. He's just but, having a good time. So, I mean, generally, I like... I love Anthony Hopkins just doing rehearsals and saying, no, I'm not doing an actual take. That's what you get. <laughs> like, he clearly just, like, you're giving me a lot but of money, right? I'm just going to wander around them. the fucking set. Yeah. And you guys record me while I'm wandering around the set, sure. and you deal with it. 
Yeah, you like watching people phone it in. I love watching I mean, it was my favorite part of the second Sicario. It was my favorite part of the second Sicario movie, was watching Catherine Keener just clearly oh, not even yeah. give a shit that day. She's I in there? Yes. Her heart's definitely I've not. I've never seen like, her, her phone physical body. in a role before. But, like, we have a joke that she didn't even do wardrobe. She found, like, the fucking worst suit she could find in her closet and just rolled into work. Because she's like, I don't even want to be bothered with wardrobe for this movie. I was so disinterested in the propaganda that's that Sicario 2 was going to be that I was like, I'm good. Sicario so that's actually your... Yeah, but at least the second one's ooh-rah-rah. Right. But like your point around the new Jennifer Garner show like is very true for Sicario too. Like the first 10 minutes, you're like, why was this made? Like what what was the reason for this? You did not need this. At least with the first one, you had you had Dennis Villeneuve doing some of like the best cinematography of his career and set pieces and set pieces the music the music rest in, rest, in, rest in peace Johan Johansson yeah. Uh, yeah I'm very sad about his passing because he's, he's as a composer I was just very I really liked his work and I believe that he had a great heart and uh, you know do you have a go to score of his that you like uh, to point to I mean I really love his work in Arrival yeah it's funny I was gonna say that was just before I saw Arrival at TIFF in 2016. That was like my biggest, like, all the shit that played there, That I was like the most excited about that. And I was so let down because for that year, I was getting really into Villeneuve, like Polytech, which has always been like oh, a fascinating story, yeah. regardless about the school massacre. Um, then Enemy. Um, that's the Yellenhall Prisoner, right? Yeah. yeah. Prisoner Yellenhall. And then like, I was like, oh, right, well, it's going to be great. I like Amy Adams. The trailer was good, like Forrest Whitaker, and then the movie, it was just like, eh, I remember not being... No, I love that movie. I really like that movie, oh. and but part of it is the music, and you know, also like the film Interstellar would... Not, I like the film Interstellar because Han, Hans Zimmerman's music brings it all together. Mm-hmm. With it, a, with I like two-thirds of that movie. I'm okay with that. It's also difficult, too, like at the end of Arrival when Jeremy... It's like, I remember laughing in the theater because I like, want to go make a baby. Like, it's yeah, supposed yeah. to be this yeah. heartwarming touching scene and it sounds like some cheesy shit you say to your girlfriend when you want to have sex. Like, I feel like there are some movies that... Because uh, I feel this way about her. Like, I could, I thoroughly respect her, but there was something... I saw with a certain crowd at that, like, West 34th Street theater where it's... I never have a good crowd there. People are always going to be talking on West 34th Street AMC or Regal or whichever it is. Yeah. I've never been there. And so I watched her, and her, the crowd... Didn't let me like I if you don't get into the conceit of something like her, you're just you're gonna find it to be silly, no matter how hard yeah. he's trying as a director. Mm-hmm. I feel like Arrival is the same thing, especially in that last section of like if you're not into that scene or like the whole thing looping back in on itself and that quasi like absurd conversation with the guy where she's in the future talking to the yeah. Japanese uh, yeah. general or the something. Lost, yeah. The lost in translation. Oh yeah, she goes in the yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if if you're if you find that in the remotest way silly or anything, like you're out. Yeah. And I get that with that movie. I was hook, line, and sinker with the... Right. Yeah. What was the movie that came out earlier this year with Natalie Paul? Uh, Annihilation. <laughs> I hate Annihilation uh, so much that I watched it on a plane and I paid $10 for Wi-Fi just to text Mikhail about how bad I thought it was. Because oh, he had said that he's like, oh, it's not great, but it's okay. It's similar like, to like, I, I, yeah, I don't know if I hate movie. it, but it's just like that. Uh, I just don't think... That so. was a movie. It happened. I think it's so. fun. It's not nearly as smart as Alex Garland thinks well, he is. Or is. other people who like that movie. Yeah, yeah. I don't... Yeah, I thought that movie and Ex Machina were both good they're fine. I don't know. People my need to calm down. About my it. problem with annihilation yes, is all the words everybody says in it. Basically, I told them I was like, I'm so excited that people are starting to die, so there's just less people to deliver horrible she dialogue. She wanted to hate watch yesterday, so we did after watching Hereditary. For <laughs> it did cheer me up though because yeah. Hereditary hurt me. Yeah. 
Yeah, like, on the third fall, viewing, I was still I couldn't, very asleep, I couldn't fall asleep for an hour and a half because I could have sworn there were old naked people in the shadows in my room. <laughs> I mean, which is true. That, 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 yeah, that plays off the old school shit, like when you're in your room and it just like the silhouette or something. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, Hereditary is another movie. Like it's fine, well, but the yeah, last. Yeah, we're gonna have to have a whole talk about this. Also, also like overshare. Like I've I've had like night terror sleep paralysis like from for a lot of my life. So like so I always think I'm seeing demons and old people. Above me as I'm trying to sleep anyway. So that so that movie gave me a lot of trouble, and also like it was just it was nice to see like a horror film from the point of view of the prey, and and yeah. a film that was so popular that also didn't connect all the dots that so you had to make these connections, and I liked that. But let's talk about Mission Impossible Three. J J Abrams. Uh, I just want to talk about Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, yeah. so he's I'm obviously so Phil Hoffman. I'm not doing for you. No, when I saw I don't. Uh, what year did that come out? Like so what year was that? Um, I will I will double check. Also, 2007. It was like the last. 2006. Was, I think yeah. so. Phil Hoff and Tom Cruise Rest have faced off twice. I love it. Uh, Magnolia yeah. and um, I had to remind Mission a lot of people that Magnolia happened. Yeah, it was a reunion. Yeah. When I saw the trailer for Mission Impossible Three. Cause I'm not excited. It's just a franchise. It's fun. It's cool. But I don't. But then I yeah. saw Philip Seymour Hoffman like the opening that 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 trailer. It's like you have a wife, a girlfriend. I'm gonna kill. Like I don't know. That was just oh, a very. It was, it was oh, yeah. really so really good. cut so really good. well. I was like, oh, I want to see this. Philip Seymour Hoffman again. is the best villain probably in the Mission Impossible franchise because he's just so Wildly bored. apathetic. Yeah, he's not he's even, so yeah. bored. Yeah. Well, I like villains like that are underrated. Speaking yeah. of like, like little... so rich and so well, untouchable that they're apathetic about like it. Like who, yeah. who I call little Philip Seymour Hoffman, Jesse Plemons in the yeah. last season of Breaking Bad. He's right. very just like, sorry, I'm going to shoot you in the head. Like it's well, yeah, very... I mean, it's this, also know. they're sociopaths and yeah. there's, there's two... In my opinion, there's two types of like Bond villains, Right. The, the sociopaths that are just like, I don't care and I'm doing my thing. And the ones that are so about an ideal that they emotionally become like the yeah. bad guys of the, of the last two movies are, are not, are exhibit sociopathic behavior, but from a different reason. They're mm-hmm. like, I'm trying to change over the world. I'm trying to watch it all burn. And yeah, and it's not exactly. It's not socio. It's not out of complete. It's not out of like complete apathy and distance. Out of like exactly. very deep belief in a cause that this will be worth it. It's a horrible thing, but right? Like, like Thanos. Thanos has the same drive. Tha- well, yeah, like Thanos is is like a is like a, a seventeen year old nihilist mm-hmm. who just got who just like read a little too much Camus and a little too much. Vonnegut and is like I have to change things because they're terrible. <laughs> I wish you did Thanos. I do too. I would love. <laughs> you, you you realize how much royalties you get for doing one of those movies? That's why that's everyone it. doesn't even though they don't want to. Yeah. But should, yeah, that's so, why a lot of them are jumping like between Star Wars and Marvel too. Fucking <laughs> Bettany uh, Del Toro, yeah. or yeah. someone in the Soldado said uh, drunkenly. Get him, Del Torio! Benicio Del Torio. Nice. <laughs> Mission Impossible 3 came out in 2006. Yeah. Okay. It's a very 2006 movie. You have J.J. Abrams, Carrie Russell, lens, lens flares. flares. So many lens flares. <laughs> Although this new one had some... I really love... Carrie Russell's uh, she's beautiful. Death in that, she's beautiful, but her death in the movie is just so. Oh, I was not, I was, I was not expecting it. So when this because because one of 
Philip Seymour Hoffman's things in the movie is putting these detonation devices in your brain. Mm -hmm. So it's like you see it happen and her, and the way her eyes move. Oh, it's so is upsetting. so upsetting. And the sound design on that. And the sound design. And that's why like Philip Seymour Hoffman is such a good villain in that because he's because he's a sadist and and just is like whatever i don't care and yeah. he was he was an excellent villain I, yeah probably the most dastardly villain of the series i think in like for me also in the movies i've seen he's one of my yeah like all time he's, he's a, a great, great villain, villain. like he's he just, should be in the top 50 list if they ever yeah he's just so profoundly apathetic together. and so bored i think that's why i think it's so good about well, that, i mean your impression of those lines because he like doesn't even care he's like i want to hurt her like from, come on from a sad perspective, it seems like he was just his he he was using this to escape his need to do drugs. Yeah. And, yeah. and when some some people when they quit doing drugs have this sort of like it doesn't matter sort of thing. Well, we were talking and, about this yesterday. And yeah. he was able yeah. he was able to translate it into this beautiful pain because you burn your bridges that you would otherwise like if you felt happiness that's what you're feeling when you just get stoned or something so you're burning that bridge to happiness yeah. when you're like sobering up so you're just kind of callous. Yes, yeah, so you to sort a certain of, extent. So you sort from of, the outside people looking in, you seem callous to them. Like not my favorite movie, but a great movie, Synecdoche, New York, yeah. mm -hmm. where like you just see him like going through it, and his eyes are like, I don't know. His I'm eyes are like there. I don't know. Okay. Um, sure, so I just sure. thought, or even there's this great there's this great HBO short series event many years ago, Something Falls or something, mm -hmm. with Philip Seymour oh, Hoffman. Yeah, yeah, it's based off like a novel. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's really good. Empire uh, Falls. Empire Falls. Yeah. It's wonderful. Uh, and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman plays one of the characters, and it's his eyes. You know, really good actors. They're all, every single part of their body works, and so the, I thought the chemistry between uh, Tom Cruise and Philip Seymour Hoffman in that movie was excellent, and yeah, and like in Magnolia too. As soon as he comes through that door and he's talking to me, he's like, "I will drop kick, kick the those fucking, fucking dogs if they get close to me." Yeah, yeah I want to. I want to make a. I, I, we should make like a fun little jump cut of the two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, one, one, one thing I would like to Smash add up. for this one, and maybe you guys have some opinions, is that I just really thought, and you said earlier, so this parallels like Tom Cruise's life, adding Michelle Monaghan as his love interest, mm -hmm. who is like a nurse and awesome, and turns out to be in every movie afterwards except for Rogue Nation. Yeah. Uh, I just thought that was really cool, and the way that he talked to her about his life. And also, we haven't brought up Ving Rhames or Simon Pegg. Yeah. There's so many good actors. Well, I feel like they, they find their footing in starting with this one, especially since Simon Pegg's just introduced in the third right. one as well, because there's a great AV AV club review where it's like uh, the Australian guy in the second one's a dry run for Simon Pegg's character in the <laughs> third through sixth one. You know? Oh, well, and also... Uh, we I don't know if we mentioned that Tandy Newton was awesome in Mission Impossible too. Yeah, I, I mean I don't know. I, I couldn't get down with her or the villain who missed a great big opportunity in playing Wolverine to, because of extended shoots of Mission Impossible two. <laughs> but um, I don't yeah. I, yeah because I for the longest time before I rewatched Mission Impossible two was sure that Ewan McGregor was the villain of the movie because they kind of look similar to one another. That's funny. <laughs> And I was wildly disappointed that I was going to see Tom oh, Cruise and Ewan McGregor go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. <laughs> well, the... Yeah, I like that about Mission Impossible 3. Because I also think that it... Uh, and Billy Crudup. Love oh, Billy Crudup. love oh, he's him. great as that, like, slimy little reptile. He's always a reptile. He's always yeah, a Because I think Dude, that Billy Crudup, because of his 
pointy features and his yeah. high cheekbones is able to tell this line between being really good looking and a little bit scary. Well, so I think you believe him as a good guy yeah. in the beginning and then something happens to his face. Mm-hmm. If, if, yeah. I may, if I may piggyback, did you guys see that, that, that problematic movie about the, neighbor, the watch? No. With, oh yeah, yeah, with yeah. With Vince yeah, Vaughn yeah. and a bunch yeah, yeah, of people yeah, yeah. Where, that. where they become the they become the neighborhood watch. Yeah, but, but it, it came out right after. It came out right after Trayvon Martin, yeah. so it was, yeah. and it's actually like a, a fun movie, and Billy Crudup is in it, and he plays this weird. You think he's the oh, it's also an alien movie. Oh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> By it the takes way. a turn. But it takes a turn. Uh, and and the, one of the main alien guys is the director of the film Submarine. And he's I, a I, I, or something. And Billy Crudup, you think he's an alien, but it turns out that he's just really into swinger sex parties. <laughs> and it's so funny because his face and his acting, he just really... And some of the makeup they put on him in this movie. Vince, like, Vince Vaughn has another problematically timed movie coming out. Oh yeah, so, dragged across the concrete. Sucks, yeah, I spoke I about that on Wrong Reel recently. Also, it turns out, isn't he like a super conservative? He is it's actually. It turns out it's been surprising. So I didn't know. It's always been. Well, I, I should have well figured known. because I'm sure Favreau, to his own like extent, is also a conservative. No, no, Favreau no, is like a no? super, super, he's super opposite of really, Vigilant, which to huh. some degree I love because I like when close friends can be opposite. It could be cool. Be yeah, I, I do appreciate that. But no, John Favreau's on Twitter. Firing shots at Tea Party and all right and Trump, like oh, all shit. oh good for him all day yeah that's yeah oh, he always but, plays that guy in movies especially when he's a supporting in like a comedy he's usually sure. that tight ass sure. sort of like get the fuck out of my house already I do I have to but say I love you man yeah that I, I John Favreau what's the tennis movie with Paul Bettany and Kirsten Dunst <laughs> yeah yeah uh, Wimbledon it's just he's Wimbledon. he's the only reason I love that movie he's the he's best really, part of most really, movies yeah, kind of, well, sometimes but definitely well, that yeah I mean like Iron Man movies. At least the first two. I was looking forward oh, to yeah, constantly yeah, yeah, yeah. popping up. On Absolutely. Because he's funny. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. So I'm happy to hear that. Thank you for clarifying that for me. Yeah. And I really, I really enjoyed the, the, last, the, the last scene in Mission Impossible 3 where... Um, Bangkok. Notes. So... Shanghai? Yeah. They're, they're in China. And, and Tom Cruise kills Philip Seymour Hoffman. But he has the thing in his brain... Yeah, and, still and foreshadowing his his wife is a nurse has medical stuff yeah. he's like look I need you to kill me and then bring me back to life and then as he's dying which is super super wild she kills Billy Crudup and the yeah, bad yeah, guys yeah, the bad I mean it goes without saying that if you're listening to this Mission Impossible episode there's going to be spoilers <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, what we years, came out twelve years 12. ago. You've had years, all except I guess the last one, and you've had years and years. To there, see will there will be spoilers for the last one, also. <laughs> okay, yeah. gonna have to. Uh, what I like about this, I think for me, this is for it's like when the Fast franchise didn't really like kick off until the fifth one. Yeah, for the me third one is the where they, one they is, figure I think it out. It's like iteration now. I think Tokyo Drift is the best Fast and Furious. Movie. Okay, but I mean, I feel like the thing that it became today of an yeah. international spy traipsing the world movie, uh, the fifth one, really. Like, I think this is the iteration where, like, this is going to be the Mission Impossible movies now. It's going to be this sort of wide in scale. You know, in this one, they've got the bridge scene, which I fucking adore, even though yeah. I don't understand why he's being blasted to the side. Sure. It's a cool visual. Um, I like that. I do like... The party scene in the beginning, that's typical J.J. Abrams, like, his ABC years of he knows how to write this little white people party in the suburbs. Oh, yeah, I love that whole thing. They get to establish what a creep Ethan Hunt... Oh, like, yeah, like, Ethan Hunt doesn't know how to be people. He's from like, outside his point of view, that scene, he's just a creep where he's reading the lips of the conversation yeah. he, that his wife's having, or his future wife's having with her friends, and like, 
that's fucking like weird. They don't it's know. It's so weird, and it's also with... there's no indication in it that like he realizes by their reaction that like oh, I've done a weird thing. So it's like, like, he hundred percent is like this is normal. He's well, socially in that. I, I think. I mean, usually they hire people that have pangs of antisocial behavior to be these sort of people because you because if you have the same sort of emotional attachment to a person and a hammer. It doesn't matter if you have to kill people. Mm. So that so he doesn't realize that it's a major sociopathic move to read people's lips. Yeah. And be like, I heard you. And <laughs> and I'm, really Hi, guys. Know. Because doesn't he have a later conversation where he's talking to that other J.J. Abrams regular, the guy with the big schnoz from Alias? And the guy, like, at the end of the conversation is like, oof, that was too much. Well, the, the I mean, that's kind of the comic relief of the movie is that he has concocted a job that's so boring that he can go on and on about it and he knows that, like, no one will look into it. He says that he's, like, works for the Department of Transportation or something like that. And he, he's like, oh, it's incredible what they do with highways and all this. And people are just like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's his, that's his cover is to just be, like, as dull as possible. What are your favorite movies? My favorite movies, period. Sure. Like, in life? Yeah. My you can answer movies, the question however you would like. Okay, my favorite all-time movies are probably... The Color of Money, High Fidelity. Oh, she loves The Color Damn, of Money. Damn, those are great movies. I've had to defend yeah. Color of Money a few times. Oh, oh, we're big Color right. of Money. Because <laughs> no, no, everything, um, no, because well, just from average, The Color of Money. No, Goodfellas isn't that. Well, Taxi Drivers are not. I was like, Color of like, Money is practice for Goodfellas. Yeah, yeah. What we the, and the thing mm -hmm. with... And, okay. it's a, and it's a great movie. Yeah. I agree. And Tom Cruise is fucking fantastic. I should preface this by being like, I think that there are like movies that are objectively better than some of these movies. No, they're your favorite. You're not favorite. But I'm not... Okay, so you're not getting top five movies of all. No, if, no, if, no if, you're not. You're not if, I'm, if I may clarify, I'm not asking you what I what you think are the five best movies. I'm asking you My your face. five favorite movies. So there's are two. So there's no wrong answer. Okay, so... Color of Money, High Fidelity... Uh, the Great Beauty. I knew that. Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. Yeah. Oh, well, nice. Some, some Pomo action going on right now. <laughs> and... That's postmodernism. I feel like I'm probably... I actually didn't know. <laughs> I feel like I'm probably not thinking of one that's going to, like, really upset me later. Because, like, like, my favorite... Like, it's going to be something that's like, oh, my God, how could you not say that? But that's all I can think of now. If you figure it out and text us before Tuesday, we will somehow put it in. All right, cool. I really want to watch Ben and like Beckham again. I've been like I've seen that. I've rewatched that movie again recently. That's like my dad loves that movie. It's fucking thirty dollars on Blu-ray though. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Anyway. Mission Impossible Four. Yeah, yeah. Mission Impossible Four. Poor Marcus is just like trying to get on a marathon right now. It's like I just gotta endure this. There's three left. Mission Impossible Four is where shit really kicks into high gear after three. He's not retired. Some insane nasty stunt work. He's not. He's out of retirement. He's back fully. I think four is super fun. Four, five, fun. and six for me are like the most fun. Like I think it's a clean trilogy, a clean yeah, franchise. Exactly. And that's trilogy. how I feel. I feel like it's one, two, and three are their own little trilogy because it's Ethan Hunt starts. Ethan Hunt is like Ethan Hunt is like you said, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed new upstart. He is uh, betrayed and spins out of control for a while, and then that results in him trying to like live a clean life, and then he gets pulled back in. You're like, okay. Because I think the video, the other thing that's the video says is that around that time, around JJ, uh, the third one, he was trying like line for lambs and shit like that. So he was trying different things from different baskets and everything. I think Tropic Thunder was roughly around the same time, which he was very good in. Yeah, yeah. but this movie then tracks where he decides to throw himself back into action again right. with Jack Reacher is on the horizon and those, shit like those that. Those are Edge fun. Tomorrow, yeah, Groundhog, Groundhog, Groundhog's yeah. Day Battletech Edition was excellent. <laughs> American Made, I thought was awesome yeah. and fun. So 
So yeah, in these three movies, that means that because now he's just doing all these crazy fucking and there's, stunts. There's also one thing we need to point out: Brad Bird. Brad Bird, of, yeah, of Iron Giant, and, and this is him taking a shot at live action. So he can do his, his movie. First, right? he's directed two live action movies: this and Tomorrowland, Tomorrowland yeah. which I think gets a bad rep, but it's not a great movie, but gets a bad rep. Um, I have trouble just looking at George Clooney anymore. Also, hmm. yeah, in the movies. After Men Who Stare at Goats, it's been hard. I actually kind of like that. <laughs> yeah, me too. But yeah, so Brad Bird, who, who you know, caught our hearts with the Iron Giant no. and Incredibles. And I, think, Ratatouille. I think Ratatouille. I enjoyed Ratatouille. Um, he did some Golden Years Simpsons. Golden Years Simpsons. He, he takes his hand as a live-action movie, and I thought he knocked it out of the park. Yeah. So what's the story of, of, of Ghost Protocol? Marcus, you want to take a stab at protocol? He starts off in a. Um, wait, how did he get into the prison again? He so yeah, we established that later that he he has to break into a prison in Russia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They deal with the Kremlin. But he stays this there is all for a Russians of the He's bad guys. Well, the whole prison. thing is that they are trying to find. I forget. Oh, the guy he's, he's in the jail something. with. He's trying. To, yeah, so he's, he's trying to acquire that guy in the cell. That's the whole thing. Is that he has to get in there so he can get to that guy. Through the transition, the movie is like developmentally disabled at the beginning of the movie but by the end he's like fine which is also weird I don't know if that was that, that was but is it something I feel like a lot of Mission Impossible movies start with like here's a mission and here's how it all went to shit and therefore this is the you gotta like clean it up now this yeah. is the oh yeah. fuck mission that we have to because I think that that's how this one starts too that blow, something happens like something goes wrong and then and that's they, why he has to go into the and they blow up the Kremlin yes yeah. well yes and Did then Russia that's have a response to that, like when that movie came out? I'm sure they didn't like it. <laughs> Probably not fans. Yeah. I but wonder, maybe you guys can help me, do, do like, sure do other it. countries make movies where like the, the, the good guys have to deal with like the White House getting blown up or something? Probably. I mean, there was that movie that came out where the, where the White House did blow up. Empire, or uh... Empire Falling, Olympus is Down, or whatever. Olympus is Falling, and then there's another fallen. one that's they the same. Two. They yeah, made they two. They made two movies. I'm sorry, I kind of assumed. Yes, just don't talk about it. Uh, anyways, yeah, and I actually like those movies. Those were surprisingly fun. Olympus is Fallen, or whatever. Really? But I wonder if, like... There's the Fuqua ones, right? I think. Yeah. I wonder if, if like... To what extent that exists? Like, Russians making movies about, like, the... The evil Americans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we've lived in a world where the bad guys are Russian again. Because yeah. they were bad. They were, they were the bad guys in the 80s. Uh, they were the basis of the Sith in the original Star Wars trilogy. They were. Are they? Yeah, yeah. It was uh. meant to be, uh, to be like, fuck socialism. I thought you were referring to uh, Trump's, uh, Trump's position in the White House of the Sith uh, era. <laughs> no. Um... Oh, no, I had no clue that, about that with the prequels. Yeah, I don't want to talk about 45 today. Okay. I just, I'm just not interested. No, that's perfectly fine. I didn't mean to... I, that's how I just... I thought it was a metaphor for 45. No, no. The, first the, one the, 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 original, the original Star Wars films were a way to... The, the Dark Empire was the USSR. Yeah. Okay. But right. it's, 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 a, it's, it's a bad metaphor, one, because the Jedi are polytheistic, pretty much communist group of people that believe in creating law based on community and the needs of the areas. Mm -hmm. So, whatever. 
I'm not trying. Someone didn't do their research fully. They were just like... They did a lot of research about myth because Joseph Campbell was part of there. And it was also like sort of a remake of Yojimbo, but like Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, Yes. uh, I'm not trying to... Star Wars fans, like they they run people off the internet. So I'm not... Uh, so did you guys see the fourth one in theaters when it first came I out? I saw it in yes. Because yeah. oh, okay. you see, I was one of the I've people... seen all the movies in the theaters. Oh, okay. I started... Well, I, saw, I haven't seen Solo. I, I'm not interested. I saw the second... Oh, I thought we were talking about Mission Impossible. Solo? I thought we were talking about Star Wars movies in theaters. No, no, no. no, no I'm talking about the Mission Impossible, the oh, fourth movie. I've seen... Yeah. I saw the first one in theaters, and I saw the last two in theaters. Okay. So, yeah, I saw the... Four, I didn't see the fourth one in theaters because I think it had an effect where... This was him doing the first thing since he created like a terrible, uh, like slew of appearances with the PR. Because he also had that Scientology video that came out like a year prior to that, where yeah. he was doing an interview promoting it and shit. Mm-hmm. And then this was the first one. That, I remember because the box office wasn't it wasn't like terribly great because of that. I was actually so saying, I didn't watch I it until this I was on DVD. No, they all did really. They well. They all do really well, but I think that this might have. The third one of this one was the lowest banking one, though, yeah. because it was a rocky period around that. I think it was the Actually, third one. I this, think the third one is the lowest, because that is his this, rockiest. That comes this, out in the middle of his Oprah shenanigans. This one right now is, is, is the lowest, but it's still in theaters, so I don't think that'll stay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's probably going to be running in the middle of the country for a while in, like, smaller theaters and But I think like that, that the I third think. movie is the lowest... Thank you, one because I, um, he was his most controversial. Well, so this point. one, I mean, but I, I had to wait. I'm for, I really regret having watched it on just the small screen because that Abu Dhabi scene where he's hanging outside that fucking it's building, amazing. man. I, I can't like I catch my breath every time. Also, I have like terrible fears of heights to the point where like watching the new one where they're fighting next to the cliff, my hands, I, I, my hands sweat every time I watch it. I watch it twice now. My palms just start sweating uncontrollably oh, watching those. The things. new, the new one. Yeah, just anything heights oriented. I was, this fucking yeah, I was, I was now. freaking out. Yeah. Watching the new one and then when he's just chilling by the edge of the cliff oh, I'm like, roll away dude and you know that it's him because he does his own stunts and he's insane yeah <clears throat> the I think that the Mission Impossible movies especially the four through six ones have like the best action sequences I, even in the yeah. fast movies like I can get bored during action like alright well we're gonna wrap this up ever like, especially like extended hand to hand combat I don't find it like particularly thrilling it's part of why I think that the uh I like the Marvel movies so little because I'm just like, okay, just wrap this up. You yeah, know, what, what I really like about the Mission Impossible movies <clears throat> and like the new Bond movies and the Bourne movies is that they have a nice mix of hand-to-hand combat, gun combat, yeah. vehicle combat. Yeah. My only criticism of, well, I have a couple criticisms of the last one, mm. but I actually thought the last sequence was like five minutes too long, mm. but I liked the like, they live like lengthy fight between him and Superman. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, so the bathroom good. fight. The, um, so but yeah, so in the, the Mission Impossible movie, it's, it's insane. Yeah. The Mission Impossible movie, oh, I don't, I don't find... Because he does that in the bathroom fight before he gets to fucking throw in those haymakers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't find them where I find them, like, completely engrossing. I'm so into them. And even though, like, so this last movie, Mission uh, Fallout, we saw and then saw again two days later, and I was as, like, yeah. into it. Edge in my seat. Do we have anything more we want to say about uh, Ghost Protocol? Um, I mean... I like the camaraderie there a lot. I like the addition of Jeremy Renner. I like, yeah. um... What's her name? Uh, Paula Patton is, uh, I think, a good addition to it. I like that it expl- they do a good job of explaining why she wouldn't be in the next one and this one, don't think, because it is mainly a revenge mission for her. She wants to, like, you know, revenge Sawyer from uh, Lost from the beginning of it. 
I don't. I, I really like the. I feel like I really started liking the ensemble aspect of it in this movie. It wasn't just Tom Cruise I was looking yeah. for in these movies. Now it's become a little bit of. I mean, Tom Cruise is still the main fucking show. They could like revolve around him as they will. Obviously, they've survived these castings before. Did but, you know that you have on Tom Cruise mom shoot? Hmm. <laughs> I need answers. What's what? What's happening to me? Nothing. Oh no. <laughs> what happened? No. I have no idea. It was a reference to a rap battle. Um, the ni- 90s rapper Cannabis yeah. had a battle with Disaster, mm-hmm. and it was going to be the greatest rap battle ever because Cannabis came from the battling culture, and the first thing he said... He kind of didn't. He didn't. I know, but, yeah. but people thought he did. Yeah. And the first thing he said was, it looks like you have Tom Cruise mom's shoes. <laughs> and everyone was like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it did not he go... Said he had peanut butter eyes or something like... Peanut butter <laughs> eyes... He also said, you came out of your mom's booty hole all wiggly. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't good. And it was, it was I, don't I don't know. I don't know, it sounds ingenious. It's, it's, it's interesting to watch if you like tragedy, <laughs> but it did, not, it did not go well for him. Moving on. Mish, mission, I don't know, I love the sound of all of that. <laughs> uh, Impossible Mission is a De La Soul mixtape. Mm-hmm. So like. when does that come out? Because the only De La Soul I ever listened to is Three Feet High and Rising, and then the next one, They're Dead or whatever it's called. Dead. Yeah, yes. and then I then that was it for me with De La Soul. So when did when did they do this mixtape? Around Mission Impossible Three, two thousand six, something like that. Got it. It was it was a collection of odds and ends. Okay. And because they've always had a little bit of trouble releasing their music because of label issues. Oh, really? You should know this. You're from Long Island. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, it's weird. On Long yeah, Island, yeah, yeah. everybody is intimate. Well, you know, you're going, I should to, you're know going from... too far. Yeah. We don't, gonna... du- we don't double team. Oh, okay. Tag team. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, I guess we were double teaming there. I don't need... You didn't tag me. I just mm. kind of went for it. I'd like exactly. to move away from the phrase double teaming for now. Mm. <laughs> uh, <DT>. Whoa. <laughs> Can you make yourself laugh? I was derailed again. By, uh, but I'm sorry, so continue what you were saying about the mix. I was just curious, I didn't have No, I just wanted idea. to bring up something, because it, it had like a briefcase on it, and it was like the impossible mission. Yeah. But, that's it. Uh, mission Impossible 5. Rogue I Nation. love this one. Rogue I like this one's classical. Nation. This is where Alec like, Baldwin enters. This is where, uh, yeah, the secretary. he enters with such gusto that I could have always sworn that he was in the fourth one, and I was surprised to find out rewatching that he's not in the fourth yeah, one. Yeah, I also, but I think it's partially just because I do view the fourth, fifth, and sixth ones as their own trilogy that I'm assuming that those people aren't going to be in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I forget that Lawrence Fishburne was in the franchise. Yeah, I'm like, oh, what, what are you doing here, guy? He's got some good lines in that movie. <laughs> he does. He don't give a fuck talking no. to Ethan Hunt. He doesn't give about the myth of Ethan Hunt. He's just like, I don't give a no, shit, man. Doesn't care. doing me dirty right now. I'm going to fucking take he care of me and mine. He does not care. I loved him. But I really like the fifth one. I also love Ilsa. Yeah. yeah. So in love with her. Yeah, I'm in love with her, too. I have a she looks like a fox. Her. I mean, she has such a pointed nose. Yeah, like, it's just. I mean, a pointed face, even like it all just focuses. I in. know that's why it's marsupial. Yeah, yeah, she that's has marsupial face. I, I like that around this time you had like with the Bond movies. Also, you had like Spectre. You had like about evil groups yeah. that are like equal to your group, like the IMF, but evil the or Fast like six yeah. have their doppelganger group. Yeah, like I like that sort of idea. There's this great comic book by Warren Ellis called Planetary. Uh, yeah. Which was like about these ad- these adventuring superheroes, and the bad guys were if the Fantastic Four had become evil. Mm. And it's like, oh, this is cool to see what like 
these guys would be if they were a megalomaniac. It's terrifying because they're ultra powerful and they're they're and now smart. they're yeah. and they're the smartest. So that's a really great comic. I recommend it. And yeah, so I thought yeah, that was sure, yeah. like this idea of this this you know dual evil group. I didn't like the first five minutes of Mission Impossible Five because I thought it started with an unnecessary women in refrigerators trope where they just. Uh, killed killed this woman to push forward the plot for no reason, uh, which is which I was like I don't like that. Can you remind me about this? The one I didn't rewatch because I felt like I rewatched it so um, recently. It's about this this group of anarchists who are trying to change, who are trying no, the, to the, the, no the, just the, the, just the, the opening the, shot. The, the women in the refrigerator. He's he's a, he's at a record store where he hears his message and there's just this woman working at the record store. And they kill her for for no reason. Oh, because I just remember an opening with the airplane scene. Right. I, I see. The thing is, what I like about movies is hand to hand combat and human relationships and mm. and gun stuff. I the 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 high flying stuff is 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 difficult for me. So I didn't uh, that that scene was really scary. Well, a, f- a friend. Uh, it's very. I think there was something so outlandish about it that I didn't get into the idea of that it's heights or something because the image is still so outlandish I didn't think the heights were a real thing in that shot because they could have CGI'd it I wouldn't have known the difference I've never seen that angle before it, like it's color correct and everything so it kind of has a gloss to it but for me it was also there's no stakes to that stunt because we don't know the mission he's on so it's kind of a throwaway stunt that's a really cool stunt but you're not and so they did much it into real. it they did yeah, it real it's got contact lenses in his eyes so he'd keep them open like yeah, special there's, contact lenses. There's, there's, there's a, a behind-the-scenes shooting of it, and you're like, oh, this is real. And it, it, yeah, it seemed like, why did you do that? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't attached to anything that I recall that really kind of like gets the ball rolling on the main... No, I don't think so. I mean, it's just your first... It's just like, oh, he's being crazy again. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, remember Ethan? <laughs> but I, I, li- <laughs> I like these bad guys that are, like, real matches. Cause yeah, like do you like Sean Harris? Do you like Sean Harris? I do. Yeah, and I like, and also, Sean Harris is the bad guy. Yeah, he plays Solomon Lane. Yeah. he's a, and the d- the director directed Jack Reacher. Yeah, and he's the Chris only Lincoln. one to do two Mission Impossible yeah. movies because yeah. he did the other one. Well, like, he also just became his like guy behind the scenes. At first, he started like doing rewrites for him, and then he's yeah. like, "Do you mind doing Jack Reacher for me?" I think yeah. he's been like prepping him up for a while. Well, good because I thought I thought these last two were excellent. Edge of Tomorrow movies. rewrites. Did I say that already? No, no, no he did that too. But yeah. I think that the Syndicate is like a very worthy foe for the IMF. Exactly. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. But they didn't need to become the Apostles when they were like still the same group. <laughs> that will get into. <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're yeah, they're like they're, like. I syndicate's thought, a way cool. They just wanted to well. change it. I thought the last one was my favorite Mission Impossible movie. I think. Yeah. yeah. But there's like less of a bad guy it's more like stuff is happening that's bad but like the bad guy of this one was like almost like bane to batman like this guy that had all these ways to deal with ethan and was like thinking as many steps ahead as he was and being like do you think you understand the things down with the sickness it's it's probably a part of what makes six fun is that you've already been introduced to solomon lane you already know he's doing that so they don't they don't go through it again so you don't get to see him what i like about solomon lane like he's like he's this one guy who is just this um you guys know that short novel by uh, melville uh, billy bud 
Mm-hmm. Whereas the captain, the captain's not That's a terrible person. That's what is based off of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The captain's not a terrible person. He's just for some reason so obsessed with this guy who's like so seemingly and easily charismatic and everything and gets all this attention. And there's this weird tension about it because Solomon Lane clearly has bigger plans. But he is obsessed with Ethan Hunt too of like, look at this optimistic asshole. I need to break him. He thinks that he could always save the world. And I want... It becomes in the sixth one, which I find interesting, less about, like, I want to kill half the world so that we could figure out our resources issues. It becomes more of, like, no, I want him to finally fail a fucking mission. If it means me blowing myself up to do it, I'm going to do it. Well, I mean, it became, my... like, highly personal, which yeah. I really enjoy. My favorite thing about... And I guess probably because they have right, similar trajectories. He, bring, he brings back his ex-wife yeah. in yeah. six. It's because he's so butthurt by five and, like, someone finally upped him, you know? Yeah, but I think also because they have these similar trajectories of both of them where, like, he's in Salmon Lanes from MI6 and, like... And why did you being betrayed continually by your government and seeing all this stuff happen not do why did that not do to you what it's done to me and make me like feel disconnected enough? yeah he wants to corrupt him which, which is, is sim- why my favorite line in all of six is this is finally the fallout of all your good intentions it's yeah. like oh my god nice which Amazing. is also which is also similar to like the best Bond villain of the past Bardem. 15 years which is Bardem the Joker I, yeah, is what the Joker could have been. That introduction shot, that long shot, that watch out him walking down to meet Daniel Craig slowly as he tells this story, and it comes into full focus, and then he just gets uncomfortably close to him. Oh, it's so. I love how he uses his sexuality in the way that I yeah, feel like I've never seen a villain do. My favorite, my favorite moment is when Bardem giggles after he puts his dentures back in. Like yeah, he yeah, just yeah, giggles yeah. to himself after that. I think that's a really great. It's a great performance. It's the little touches, the yeah. spretzadura. I gotta say, also, I'm speaking of. Sean Harris, not that this is the most unseen movie, but his performance as Ian Curtis in 24 Hour Party People is like so so good. I think it's the oh, best yeah, acting. Yeah, yeah, I think it's the best he's acting the... he's ever done. He's 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 in a lot of Joy, he's the lead singer of Joy Division that movie, right? Yeah, Ian, yeah, 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 yeah. Ian Curtis, not yeah, Ian Curtis. Yeah, yeah. Really good. Uh yeah, he's yeah, I think... very good. It's like that's a heartbreaking arc in that movie. It's like really dark. Like, you were saying he's a dark man. No, I was saying generally I think that I like five so much because you get introduced, like you said, to Solomon Lane, who's like this worthy adversary for Ethan Hunt and then you get to ride that into six so you yeah. don't have to be reintroduced to this villain. I think they do a pretty good job of not rehashing everything that you know about Solomon Lane but still like you say you have you already have the context to know that he is thinking as many steps ahead as Ethan and that Ethan is not definitely going to prevail over Solomon like this could also I feel like he, he I don't think the war is over yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think... You mean after the sixth one? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's not. And it's they do not. a really good job in five and six to make, like, even though we saw... Even though you obviously know Ethan Hunt is going to save the day, it does... You do feel very real tension that, like, I I don't know. For what... Maybe it's just because I... Maybe I'm just an idiot about it, but in the end of the movie, I, like, really don't know if this whole thing's going up. Because he has failed enough missions. They've set up enough movies with him fucking something up. That I really, like, for a split second at the end of the sixth one, where they show... Where he turns, you see, like, that... It's kind of whited out. I'm like, oh my god. Oh, is it the he didn't do it? And they're bring- yeah, so right. like, oh my god, they're bringing it's it back to like the first one where brother. like his whole crew is dead again, and now he's gonna spin out. Like, oh. Yeah, it could happen. But it's also so like, relieved. It's also got. It's like got, doesn't. It's not like Jack Ryan. Like the Jack Ryan series, like cities get bombed yeah. and people die. There, there was the first scene. I guess we'll just move on to six. Yeah, there was yeah, a, there was that first scene. There's first scene in six. Where you think 
that a nuclear war has started. Yeah. And yeah. he's and he's tricking. And you kind of believe it? Yeah, and I was I was like I can't deal with this. Yeah. I was like yeah. I was like I it's might too- have I might have to start breathing into a paper bag. I didn't realize how so fucked you up. You got really yeah. fucked up on this one. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. yeah, it was like very terrifying. But I think that the um and it's part, part of, of you like thinking like Surely, at some point, one of the writers of this franchise is going to have to do to up the ante. You yeah, know? and that's I, it's a pretty good way of them doing it, having just uh, the waters essentially. Yeah. see if it's going to be believable. Because I also thought they were going to kill Vang, and I was I did too. I was like, oh my god, I, like, <laughs> I can't deal with. I like the writer. I thought he was going to Yeah, I thought Simon Pegg was going to die. Yeah, and they ended up killing Alec Baldwin, and I was like, come on, man. His death also is so I, it's some of the best like calculated ham performance ever. Like when he gets first pushed, then he just goes. Like he's being penetrated, and then just go. Like every utterance was orgasmic from him while he was dying. Like he was having the best time dying. But I think the part of what makes the tension in like five and like and more so in six real is that when it comes to the villains, I feel like Ethan Hunt, as good a villain as Philip Seymour Hoffman plays, Ethan Hunt is not losing to a sociopath that doesn't care about anything. He could lose to an also deeply principled like villain like Solomon Lane slips at some point for being so apathetic I feel like in the world of the franchise Ethan Hunt could never be like could never be beaten by somebody who doesn't have any kind of like core right idealistic or disciplined like, yeah so the Solomon Lane becomes a person who's like Solomon Lane could really fuck this up for him he has as deeply principled as Ethan Hunt deeply pr- just, principled ideologue yeah. like he, this could really happen so I feel like it maintains a lot of tension that in most action movies I completely lose like I'm like well they're gonna win and I just want this I just want the scene to be over mm-hmm. because there were three cool things in it and now there's at least another two and a half minutes and I know he's gonna win so I'm done whereas yeah. in MI6 the whole time I'm like well I wonder how much of it too is like these scripts are like these are the best scripts of the franchise mm-hmm. like he's a top notch Hollywood writer I think he's like really good structurally sound like I don't think there's fat on his movies necessarily except the airplane scene in the first one but I'm pretty sure that's more of a reverse engineering Tom wants to do this you have to fit yeah. into the movies like I can't we'll just make it the first fucking scene yeah but his scripts, his dialogue is really good. I think, like, I would already to say after watching it only twice and it might be too much to say, I think it's, like, much more sound script than Dark Knight. I think it's kind of the same movie, but, like, a lot leaner. It's only, like, a little over two hours long or something, too. But it has a Dark Knight-ish kind of scene where they kind of they have to bust him out right. by pumping him into the canal or something and then getting him out and then driving around. I love that. It was cool. I really liked the movies. It also reminded me of this, um, this quote... Uh, by 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 Adorno, an early nineteen hundreds uh, philosopher writer about you teased film. us earlier, yeah. yeah. Whereas like uh, that, this film does like anyone who is so absorbed by the world of the film, by gesture, image, and word that he or she is unable to supply that which would have made it a world in the first place does not need to be entirely transfixed by the special operations of the machinery at the moment of the performance. The required qualities of attention have become so familiar from other films and other cultural products already known to him or her that they appear automatically. Anyway, that, 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 was, that was my two cents about that. I guess you guys have no, no comment. That's fine. No, no, I, I have to be honest with you. And let me uh, go around the bad way to explain this. So Hannah and I have this thing where I actually read to her like crime thrillers and like if we're driving really far or something I'll read to her for two, three hours so we've read ten books like this. For some reason when she reads something to me or anyone reads something to me, I can't follow it. So I've had to read all the books. So I apologize, I got only half of that. 
Okay, I'm gonna text it to you. Thanks. <laughs> and then you guys can discuss. I'll read it and make a. <laughs> no, I. Th I mean, I think or we're gonna. I think we're gonna start winding down. Okay, sounds good. So, do we want to rate uh, the Mission Impossible films? Uh, yeah. Oh. Running ladies first, so uh, I could uh, formulate a thought. I think. Six is my favorite. It's just, and maybe it might be like partially recency. Like I feel like I probably felt a bit like this after the fifth one of being like, oh my god, this is so fun. This is the best. But I think that this that Fallout is the best. I love Henry Cavill in it. Mm -hmm. Partially because it's so beautiful. That's um, a great look movie. I don't know. It might be in like the reverse it's order backwards. they came. It might be backwards only because I know I have this weird attachment to the second one. Maybe partially because I was like 12 when it came out and long-haired Tom Cruise was like really doing it for me then. So that might be part of it. Yeah, but I think it's the fourth one also. Yeah, but it, it was him and the rocks. Like I have such a specific image of like... And that tank top and everything. Get the base back. Yeah, he does have a nice back. Yeah, so I think that probably the reverse order that of the series like... Six, five, four, three, I was going to do that, just reverse one and two. Yeah. Backwards. I think that that's probably what everyone else on Earth thinks. Probably. Uh, my, mine is six, one, five, three... Four, two. Oh, you're all over the shop. Okay. I didn't. Ghost Protocol was was. I was just like, okay. What do you think? What was the failing of that movie? In comparison to the last two, you would say. It just felt. It just felt the least cohesive for me. Yeah, yeah maybe four and three for me would probably be like a little. They might be tied because I like. I think three has the weird stuff in the beginning. Like, I think it's so funny watching Ethan Hunt try to be in a relationship. Mm -hmm. yeah, but I, like I just really enjoy that. I like the fourth one, the silly like stuff. Yeah, I'm going to reverse three. Like that history of violence vibe. Like, this is a sociopath yeah, 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 trying yeah, to yeah, be a normal yeah, yeah. person. For sure. I like that. I, uh, I mean, I actually, my argument is with, uh, yeah, switching. I think one and two. I'd probably, it's one, two. Four, three will flip back and forth because I can never fully recall four, and it must be because I don't like all of it, and I just can never remember what it is. Right. But I like the silly slapstick shit where he's escaping from the hospital in Moscow, and the cop takes out a cigarette, seeing that he has nowhere to go, and he's like, "Well, by all means, if you want to jump, jump." Like I found that shit funny. Mm -hmm. So that on any given day might switch, and then it's five and six for sure. And so again, so I love that opera scene. What? What? Yeah, that That's was awesome. School. That was awesome. Like De Palma would have loved to have directed that. <laughs> Back uh, in the day. A, a good friend of our show and our, one of our most recent ho hosts, Outlaw Vern, uh, introduced me to this movie, Grand Piano. I don't know if you've seen it with Ethan Hawke. It's 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 described as speed on a piano. Okay. So so a concert. Oh yes, with the oh Elijah. yeah. Isn't it John Cusack and John Elijah Wood? Yeah. What did I say? Ethan Hawke. Oh my bad. Yeah. Yeah. No, I remember no, I was, watching. I really this want to see that. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, it's yeah Elijah Wood is a concert pianist. And uh, John Cusack is in it, and uh, one of Bill or Ted, the non-Keanu from Bill and Ted's Alex excellent, Winter. Alex Winter is in it, and he's a concert pianist, and then he finds out that he has to play this impossible piano piece or everyone's going to die, mm -hmm. and it's really good. And that sort of got me that vibe of Mission Impossible 5. I like, I like all the things moving together, and you, yeah, you, yeah. you're a fan of Bob Fosse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I do want to close it out, but like I realized recently, Saskia and I were watching some TV channel, and Barbara Streisand directed movies showed up, mm -hmm. and like she's a, she's a good director. Yeah, Yentl is actually a oh, good yeah, movie. Yentl is actually a good movie, um, and Prince of Tides is actually a good movie. Yeah, I want to watch that one. And I don't think she gets a lot of respect in the oeuvre. 
but she's an incredible singer. Yeah. And yeah, I like her voice. Fine. I used and um, I think she's yeah. Those movies, I'm like, oh, who directed those? Oh, Barbara Streisand. They're good. I'm not saying they're amazing. I'm saying they're not bad. And and they're more than. So you're surprised that she could direct though. I'm not like, surprised. Like, I'm not surprised uh-huh. by her. I'm su- not all not all actors are good directors. Yeah, for sure. And it's very like Bob Fosse and very like over the top. But mm. they're you know what the Yentl, not not Prince of Tides. Well, they're both over the. She top. directed Prince of Tides as well. Yeah, that's surprising. Yeah, and it's it's a really good movie. I like those Pat Conroy books, man. I love his southern sort of. Uh, I know fan- drama. Fans of the book don't like the movie. Oh, okay. Because of the deviations or the importances that are that are placed. But yeah, so one more time, what what got you to want us to talk about Mission Impossible for two hours? Probably anticipation of the sixth one because we were flipping out once we. Saw I was the yeah. I was trying to get onto another podcast, but it, it just couldn't be arranged schedulely, unfortunately. Oh and no, so that was, like, that's that's rude. I was to say. Oh no. I didn't mean that that way. All right, it was okay, wrong yeah, real. It was just wrong real's home all, base. It's all the same podcast, same guest. Yeah, wrong it, real's home base. I thought fun. I'd ask. Jamie yeah. was booked already at that point that weekend, and then I thought I haven't done this with you guys in a while, and I wanted to redeem myself from the first one because I remember just being like a deer stuck in headlights. <laughs> like I thought headlights. you were great. Thank you, um, but I was uh, very. I don't know. I don't know. I just all of a sudden. I think the trailer for the sixth one, that very first one, with the song that you keep uh, referencing. Yeah, yeah. You'll need the victim or something stuck in the middle. But um, stuck in the middle with you. That that was the song from the yeah. trailer. <laughs> yeah. Um, I got so hyped up into that trailer, it somehow got me feeling like Stockholm syndrome. Or maybe that's what happened. I watched that franchise for so long. I got Stockholm syndrome. Where like, oh, it was being kind to me, so I loved it back. And then uh, I got so fucking enthralled by sixth one, and then we watched it twice in like one weekend, and I just, I don't know, I have an ego, so I wanted to get it onto a microphone and let the world know my giddy feelings for Ethan Hunt. Yeah, Tom Cruise, I just also love Tom Cruise the last three, four years. Yes. I've like forgiven him for all his crazy shit, I know the Scientology thing is troubling, but I've loved Jack Reacher, I've loved his Doug, Doug Lyman shit, that he's partnering up with him again to do another sci-fi movie. I liked Oblivion. Uh, so I like also a lot. A lot of people that we love have weird religious views, and you know, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? I mean, I think that this franchise is also him like self-flagellating himself to a certain extent of like forgive. Because I told you my pitch for MI seven is MI seven going clear. Because in MI six he apologizes every five. Oh yeah, he has like eight different apologies. I'm so sorry is like his most repeated line. Yeah. It's like the I'm on vacation of... And then MI7 is going right clear. That's Where he finally leaves the IMF to retire. And so it'd be him leaving I think that I, th- I think that's no, like... No. I think... No, they got too much stuff. He ain't leaving Science. <laughs> no, he, he no I know he's... I know, yeah. I, he, they have too much shit against the course. Yeah, no, no. I think... I think... I think... I hope that the series ends with his death. Like, Rocky Five was supposed to end with Rocky uh, dead after the street fight yeah with um what's his face Tommy Gunn Tommy, Tommy Gunn West, John Wayne's nephew which is which is sort of it's like my second favorite rocky movie cuz it's so dark and sad mm-hmm. and and they were like you know what that might be too sad no like that's what like his legacy is like one of the greatest boxers ever he dies in a a bar fight a on bar the street. Ball? That is a little. It's a little like, much. It's, it's although it's real because a lot of, of boxers, boxers, boxers' lives are pretty. You know, especially that time. Yeah, I thought yeah, I thought yeah. they were like trying to like do their their you know turning Rocky into like 
John Updike's Rabbit series, you know, <laughs> which they're sort of doing now with the Creed stuff. I don't yeah. know. We'll see how I that goes. I would, I would prefer if he got like a Paul Walker send off, just like he drove off into the dunes or something. That's what you want to happen to Ethan Hunt? Well, like something to akin to. But I just like, feel like Ethan's like an not, existential retirement. I don't know. I just he feel has like to they, die. Or he, I think he, he has to die. I guess yeah, the thing going. is, like, so he's a cliff. Oh, yeah, he, like, he does climb cliffs, and oh, he's a rock climber. That's the word I was looking for. And you ask any rock climber, like, when do you retire? And like, when you fall. And I was like, fuck, that's grim. Yeah. He should fall off a cliff. Yeah, maybe. But that's, I, I, see, think I don't know if I because do... that would make me laugh. I, that sounds really fucked up. That's like that, all that shit. That's how you die. Like, I don't, I, I'm not. I, yeah. I mean, they I could give it, him some kind of send off where like it becomes clear he's gonna die. Movies like, like in Kong Skull Island when Shea Wiggum is about to try to sacrifice himself, and the thing just like callously. Like fucking slaps him into the mountains and he explodes like a little dot. It's yeah. so funny. I love that shit. I just think that Ethan Hunt has. They've already established too many times that he has no ability to leave the IMF, and that like even if other people have done it, Ethan Hunt can't do it. No, so no. he has to do some kind of set. Even if they don't like decide to kill him on screen, if they do some kind of setup where it becomes clear he's like taking some suicide mission or something like that, like he's out. For years. Of mean, course, as you should. Yeah, I mean, uh, what I, what I think they should do is is have him set up somebody and then he dies and then they continue sort of how like the the series Vikings has kind of killed off everyone almost like Degrassi of like the first half. <laughs> they and, kill everyone in Degrassi. It's a high school. Well, show. no, like 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 Degrassi. No, the, they graduate them and they bring the, in new people. You know, the, the original Degrassi and Degrassi The Next Generation, mm-hmm. you have like these stars and the show is about them, but then they age out and they're able to create new stuff. Yeah. It's like Skins the BBC. Yeah, they didn't do a good job with that on Saved by the Bell. They just no. gave him like three senior years and thought no one would notice. <laughs> yeah. All right, so all right, guys, it was lovely to have you. Absolutely. Would you like to do a quick plug before before you leave? Uh, y'all can find me on Twitter at the Karadimov. Uh, there was a new Wrong Real episode that was released um, this weekend, a couple of days before recording this about as Craig Zaller, and it was the last podcast that Mr. Carlo did also in New York before moving to L.A. So it's a nice little send-off if people want to listen to that. And, uh, yeah, when the short film's done with the festival circuit, I'll make sure to announce where people can find it, um, probably on Vimeo somewhere, and, yeah. 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 And you? I'm on Twitter, at Sarna. I don't really tweet except that I will retweet this. <laughs> That's about it. And you'll get conversations. I will, that's true. If people want to say nice things to me, I'm, I'm always down for that. Yeah. But uh, thanks for having us over. Yeah. Yeah. It was a blast. SpongeBob Bear Bands, get at me, bro.